Hello and welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This special Peru edition of the podcast was made possible by Owaza. Now, I have a dilemma, and that dilemma happens to involve three audio files of interviews I conducted while down in Peru on a fish collecting trip with MT Amazon. Even though I was using my very specific interview kit from a well-known microphone company, each interview ended up having a significant amount of audio distortion. Just know that I've used this kit for several interviews already published for this podcast with no issue. Thankfully, I had Corey using my Zoom H1 recorder as his personal mic, while Dean and I were both wearing lapel mics, which are components of the interview kit. So, as you can already assume, Dean and I recorded audio with distortions, while Corey's was free of distortions. Now, much to my surprise, you could clearly hear Dean since they were in close proximity, while I was a little harder to hear as I was farther away in the room. So, after some editing, I was able to bump up my audio levels and come away with what I believe is a great interview recapping our week-long trip in the Amazon with passable audio. Now, if you're an audio purist, move along. This is not the episode for you. But, if you're someone who wants to hear a post-trip discussion between three fish nerds, you're going to enjoy this episode. Now, on to the interview. Where do you want this lab? Come here, old man. Not on my nipple. I got the itchiest like feet the tetra ever right now. Yeah, I'm not believing that. Yeah. <laughs> magically, a tetra bit your nipple. Oh, you dropped your camera and magically found it at the bottom of a river that was 40 feet deep. The tails are getting tall, buddy. <laughs> Real tall. What is today's date? Friday, August 16th. Well, we're gonna. How do, get, I, how do I do my intro today? How do you get Friday, the August echo 16th. in here? Are you getting the echo when you talk? It's fine. No, I know it's not echo for me. Any echoes for me? I can hear it it's up there. there. Hello. See. Yeah, you got the echo. I got the echo. Do you get the echo? What echo? Like when you talk like this. The ceiling. It's when you <laughs> aim at the <laughs> ceiling, you so get the echo. Mean to me. Today's date is Friday, August sixteenth, two thousand nineteen. And I'm joined by an incredible cast of characters. First, let's start with, we'll start with age before beauty. Master Breeder, Dean Tweedale. Welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Thank you, I'm here. And quad guest, first quad guest ever on the Aquarius Podcast. Yes. Podcast, the most I've been abused. Uh, the most requested repeat guest, the one and only Corey McElroy. Yeah, Corey yeah. Does that make me a dose guest? Uh, this is this is number two, yeah. yeah. So this is your your second time on the podcast, Dean. Uh, this is a very special episode. So we are back in Iquitos, Peru, at the wonderful Double Tree by Hilton. Unfortunately, no sponsorships from uh, from Hilton for this episode. But if they're listening, but if they're listening, Paris, Paris Hilton, please yes. contact me at Aquarius Podcast, and uh, we can talk. That's hot. Is she still saying that? I think so. Uh, <laughs> so. So it is, uh, it's about 9 o'clock of the night here. We just got off the boat uh, uh, after a five-day uh, expedition with MT Amazon. Uh, MT Amazon Expeditions, uh, collecting fish in the wild in the per, uh, Peruvian Amazon. Uh, my first time, Dean's third time collecting fish in Peru. Corey's second time collecting fish in Peru. And so this is just going to be a very informal kind of recap. Um, not hitting every point, but I think we'll just... Go over each bug bite. I think we're just going to be, yes, yeah, we're going to, if we had a talking point for every bug bite, we're going to be here for a long time. For a long time, especially on you. Oh my goodness, the spiders got me on the feet. Yeah, they they, they tore me up pretty bad. Where do we want to start? Do we want to talk about the tetras biting my nipples? 
Oh, now now it's more than one. You guys <laughs> don't even know Tetris, the sorry. Tetris now. Sorry, you don't sorry, even know the stories of the tall tales this guy's been telling all week. Oh man. Yeah. So it was after we uh, were collecting fish in the Santa Ana. So that was the village with yep. the uh, yep. with the the gift shop at the end. Right. Um, right. Jumping in the water, so you're super muddy when you get done collecting. Even though this one was actually a pretty clean spot, yeah, um, it was actually really cool, like kind of a pool lake. Unfortunately, it was, it was a spring. It was, it was a spring fit lake. A little man-made mm-hmm. kind of action to make yep. it more uh, more civic for the for the folks in the village, but still really cool fish in there. Well, uh, ra- rainbow, rainbow, rainbow wolf fish. fish yep. Um, Achilles, Epistos, Brycon, Tetras. Um, so we got to do and and the clearest water that we saw the whole week. Super super clear, really cool, and actually three types of collecting methods: so dip nets, mm-hmm. um, seining, and cast net. Cast net. So one of the local guys had a cast net, and that was pretty cool to watch him work that. And he knew how to use it too. Yeah, he yeah. was a pro. Yeah, he knew. He definitely knew how to use it. That was pretty awesome to watch. Um, yeah. So getting super muddy. Uh, kind of the protocol was to basically just jump into the river and clean yourself off, take your shoes off, take your pants, take your uh, take your collecting shirt off, throw it up on the boat, and just kind of wash the mud off of you in the Amazon River or one of the one of the tributaries to it. And while I was doing it at this particular spot, as I'd gotten my shirt off and I was working on my pants, you know, floating in the water, uh, all of a sudden I just wham! Felt something like just. Just get me right on the left nipple, and it was good times, man. I yeah, I got out of that water pretty fast. So <laughs> apparently, tetras, some of the larger tetras, maybe even some of the ones that we actually collected, but the ones that were actually in the river, they're known to do that. Uh, at a previous spot, it actually felt some brush up against my back. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't think anything of it. So that was good times. Yeah. Yeah, I almost got swept away on the the main Amazon River when. Devin jumped in, I jumped in. Everyone else jumped in on the front of the boat. And you jumped off the back. Yeah, because Devin jumped off yeah. the back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I looked at Devin, and I'm like, this current's strong. He's all, yes. Yeah. And he pulls out his hand, I barely grab it, because I was, I was going down yeah, so, stream. So in timeline, people should have already heard the episode with Devin Graham, but for those that didn't catch that, that episode, Devin is the tour guide extraordinaire. He needs his own TV show, for real. Oh, he does. Yeah. I mean, he is yeah. he's a walking... Uh, dictionary of bird, reptile, yeah. amphibian, fish. He is just spinning out the scientific descriptions, plants. I mean, yeah. he he's an Amazon, yeah, dare I say, expert. You know, and he's been doing this for twenty plus years. Right. I asked him the other day. He's twenty six years now. Wow. That he's been coming down. Leading expedition and medical expeditions and medical too. Also. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it really shows. I mean, his ability to to interface and interact with. The local villages, the rapport that he's built with not only just the crew, but also pretty much every single village we stop at. You know, they've done medical trips with. He's, you know, uh, they've they've you know, worked with the locals on ensuring that we are in good favor as they bring collectors into the area, and we're not just you know outsiders to this area coming into their bodies of water. You know, taking fish out, even though these aren't food fish for them. Uh, right. Most of them, the overwhelming majority, are not. Fully. When we show up, they don't know what we're doing. Exactly, yeah. Right. But uh, you know, making sure that everything is is on the level and that we're on good terms with them. So he is, uh, yeah, much respect for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it goes as far as you know when we're walking in there, making sure we're not stepping on their crops. Yeah, he was pointing know, out their crops yeah, that we wouldn't have yeah, known. That's right. Yeah, um, you know, just just it's all the little things that he does so well. Mm-hmm. Puts all that together and makes it into a great trip yeah 
So what did you guys think of this trip compared to past uh, collecting trips? What were some things that uh, what were some things that you liked? What, what were some differences? I really liked the fish being caught and then eating them. Like I ate way more different stuff that it was cool to be like that gets caught and then we actually eat it instead of like oh we bought it at the you know Peruvian grocery store and then ate it type of deal. Your your last trip down when you guys did Puerto Maldonado, so that was the. Um, the the van based collecting yeah. trip with with Michael Barber. Um, what what was the most? Well, so what fishes did you have on that trip? I don't think we really ate fish at all. We, Some ceviche, but uh, ceviche. Yeah, we we didn't really collect fish there that we ate. Mm -hmm. um, or or maybe we didn't catch large enough fish to eat. Yeah, it was a lot of small fish that we were catching. But we had pikuru, which is like the giant rodent, and we had. Right. You know, we had filet mignon one night, which was amazing. Right. And we had these different things, and we the I don't know. I guess the difference was because there was a home base of actual, like, well, we would eat out sometimes because the van would travel quite far, and then we would stop, and maybe it was a hostel, and then it was kind of just like it's kind of like road tripping in the U.S. You drive, and you're like, okay, we're gonna eat somewhere around here. Mm -hmm. Right. Some of them were terrible. And then some of them were awesome. Some mm. were the best food I'd ever had in my life. And then some were like super warm soda. This chicken's been sitting dry for days. You know, the rice is crunchy and just like, oh. The food on this trip was fantastic. Yes. Every single meal, breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner. Uh, I mean, it was it Raul? Was that his name? Our chef? I think so. I, I mean, so yes. He yeah. was just, yeah. he was on point. I mean, he's, that guy. He's been amazing. the chef for them for, well, I was on the same trip two years ago, different collecting locations, but the same trip. And um, he had been their chef one year before that. So, you know, that's the other thing that Devin has done is he's put a crew together that is passionate about what they are doing as a crew. I mean, the boat always is being cleaned. There was a lot of pride for that boat. Yep. Um, you know, he's, it's not breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's three hot meals a day. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It wasn't, you know, continental breakfast of here's your Cheerios, here's your milk, and here's some toast. Right. I mean, French toast, pancakes, um, like egg omelets. fritters, omelets. Yeah, I mean, it was... Fried eggs. Yeah, and then lunch. Lunch was, you know, the, again, not just sandwiches. Like, right. Uh, fried tiger shovel nose. Right. Rice. Yeah. Salads. Dinner. You know, a fresh fish. juice at every meal. A fresh juice. Oh. Yeah. Fresh squeeze, like fresh, not concentrate. Fresh squeeze, combo juices, passion fruit, star fruit, watermelon, wild tomato. Uh, it was crazy. But to go back real quick for those that if you live under a rock and you're not following the Aquarium Co-op Instagram or Dean's Fishroom Instagram, the fishes that we ate. So you guys were posting live photos while we were on the on the When water. we could find service. It, it would service. take like 30, 40 minutes to post a picture. Which I'm still conflicted about, the fact that we even had cell reception. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, it, it was cool to be able to still stay in touch with family. Yeah. Uh, but so to, to give the rundown, we had Tiger Shovel Nose. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Pleco. Pleco. Surprisingly delicious. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I mean, I would... I would eat it if someone forced me to, but I would never order it. I think if it was fully clean and, and if it was already descaled, you didn't have the pleco in the actual soup and it was just the flesh. Maybe. I think it would have been no problem. It would have, been, e it would have been easier to eat. I think the but problem. I also think you wouldn't get the same flavor. I think the problem for me is like I felt like it needed tartar sauce, something. It was just like a real bland fish. I could definitely agree with 
both tartar sauce and maybe having cocktail sauce available. Something. It needed something to, to jazz that, it up. Maybe that makes it too much like the U.S. But it was in a very plain soup meant for breakfast, and so mm-hmm. I don't think you need to jazz up breakfast that much, so it, it probably accomplished its yeah, goal. Yeah, but, but how many people put Tabasco on their eggs at breakfast? Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> Which they did have Tabasco. I'm just not a spicy yeah. guy. So. And then the last two fish, um, not necessarily in order that we ate it, but discus. <laughs> so... That was that was definitely interesting. And discus, pretty tasty. I thought it was decent, yeah. And then piranha. Piranha. You're missing so, one too. Uh, you're missing one. Dorado. Oh, Dorado. Dorado was really good today. Dorado. We had that for lunch. Yeah. So so Dorado is uh, basically at least this one was a smaller version of a tiger shovel nose, of a golden and without that tiger patterning. So Dean, you posted a picture of me holding the tiger shovel nose. Right. I don't think we got any pictures of the Dorado, but no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Big, big, you know, kind of apex catfish, and delicious. And, and and I think for me, those two fish, like they're on the bottom, they're just crushing other fish. And you would think that, I don't know, for some reason, you would think that the flesh wouldn't taste good. Same idea with pleco. I was the same way with pleco. This was the second time I had pleco. The first time I did not like it. It tasted mm. horrible compared to this time. When did you have it? Was it on? On the first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't on the trip. Um, it was like a restaurant yeah, or something? Restaurant, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, discus was a little bit weird eating because I had I bred discus forever. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, uh, you know, but it was tasty. Yeah. Bony. I will say discus had probably the most bones of anything that we had. Yeah. See, I thought piranha had the most bones. Yeah, but they were small enough, I just chewed through them. Yeah, you're right. I felt yeah. like with the discus, I was able to just scrape with my fork along the bone. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, in that direction, and I, and I wasn't getting on the small bones. I would, I would also say the only fish we... I think I felt like we ate the discus out of novelty factor. All the other fish, straight up, like, are harvested to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, like the discus yeah. just happened to be we lost some, and then they also were used for science mm-hmm. they were dissected and then we ate them instead of right. using them as bait to catch other fish or something like that so it was a definitely that was the only novelty where a lot of people when i was posting are like you're just doing this for the shock value it's like the discus was the only one that was out of the normal that we would normally been eating on that boat anyway yeah so i'm going to post the video of neil and i actually dissecting why we dissected them neil has a phd um, he works over in the UK uh, doing blood testing, but he also has a passion for, um, for aquatic animals. His PhD, I think he actually did uh, parasitology. Um, he was studying uh, snails and the parasites that snails have. Right. And he's a very, very passionate aquarist. And so part of his whole, so he's down here for two weeks. The first week is to do the trip with empty Amazon. So boxes check there. The second week is he's actually meeting up with another PhD that's living here, is originally from Europe, uh, works at one of their national parasitology institutes, whatever it is, and they're going to go around and collect different fish that are aquaculture. They're also going to collect fish in the wild, and they're going to do, they're going to science the crap out of these fish. So they're going to go and they're going to look at their guts to see what's in their gut biome, all of that stuff. They're going to look at their gills. Um, I'll have him on the podcast. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to sit down with him over the next two days before I fly out. Um, or if we'll just have to connect over Skype and do the interview then. But Neil's working on some really, really cool stuff. He's got the English accent, so he sounds freaking brilliant. Um, but yeah, no, that was straight up for science. Like, this was not this was not shock value. This was not clickbait. No. This is straight up. He's down here. Uh, we put the gills in 
um, not formaldehyde, it begins with an F, but it's a, it's a preservative. Formal, so Formalin. Formalin, yep. yep. So we immediately put the gills into formalin, seal them up, and he's got them with him. And when he meets up with his parasitology buddy, uh, they're going to they're gonna examine those, and they're going to look for the parasites in them that um, you know he, he's finding in these fish. But I don't, I don't want to go into that too much. But uh, really, really interesting stuff that could have some pretty big implications for, for the hobby mm-hmm. in terms of helping us understand uh, maybe some sudden deaths that are unexplainable. You know, when people have fish that die and they give the whole, well, my water quality's great, I do weekly water changes, and so on and so forth. Um, this could be one of the causes of those, uh, of those sudden deaths. Right, and you know, I think a lot of people, you know, going back to some of the posts on Instagram or Facebook, a lot of people don't realize that fish eat fish and this economy, fish is one of their primary proteins. And if it's a fish big enough to eat, they're gonna eat it, or they're gonna dry it, or they're gonna ingest it some way. Yep, you guys are gonna go to the market tomorrow, Corey, you're gonna mm-hmm. get the footage, throw it yep. up on the main channel, and people will get to see that, you know, this is this is life, this is day in and day out right. here, this is what they do, this is, uh, it's cultural exchange. What we did, it really is, eating yeah. these fish is cultural exchange. <laughs> it's not clickbait, it's not shock value, it's not taking something that they've never eaten before, it is us coming here to this country, country and being as respectful as we can and participating in their culture and eating these foods. Well, and you know, it's no different that if they came to, like in our case, Seattle, you know, would you take them out for a burger or tacos or pizza? Salmon? Dungeons crab. Yeah, crab. Salmon. You know how novel Dungeons crab would be to somebody from Peru? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 local from our waters. That's native to our waters. We think we don't think twice about eating Dungeness crab from Puget Sound. Or salmon. Why should we think twice about that? Even even clams, mussels, oysters, scallops, uh, shrimp. Yeah. That's a weird looking creature right there and people love that. We eat trout, you know, and so yeah. So we basically kind of immersed ourselves in their culture for the last That's what the expedition does. They they seek out to do that. Tomorrow night we're trying a bunch of other local staple foods i don't think there's anything too crazy in there but it's more you know like oh this is a, a food from peru you haven't had that yet here's a bunch of things on this table yeah. try them it'll be mildly interesting i mean it's gonna be caiman oh for sure so, yeah caiman well, caiman tail guinea pig uh but you know people in louisiana and the yeah. south they get down on on alligator they do um the the yeah. giant rodent right yep yeah, Peru. yeah yep, i've had that before yeah. yeah that guy so that'll be uh that'll be interesting but yeah, I mean, these are these are just foods that it's it, it, it's local, you know. It's, right. just, it's it's what they eat. It's part of their culture. So. And it's not like they don't eat. I mean, they eat tomatoes, radishes, cucumbers, mm-hmm. all sorts of fruits. Um, and com- coming from the culinary background, I look at their fruits and vegetables a lot. It's like these are really fruits and vegetables. We get so many in our mass-produced supermarkets where, you know, they are ripened with nitrogen gases and, and they're not pulled off the vine or the branch to eat. The Santa Ana pineapple that we had today. Oh, so we went back to collect more uh, Tetris from that same spot. That was cut today. Yeah, that was cut today. We had it for lunch, lunch. or dinner. Lunch. We had it for lunch and it was delicious. Yeah. That was such a good pineapple. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a couple solace that that cost us. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Like it's, uh, you can't, you just have to immerse yourself in it, and you have to go with the mentality of I'm going to try everything that's out here. 
that looks... I mean, I think most people are put off by the way things look, but yeah. it's because we have different presentation and food. I mean, I mean, honestly, if you look at the cooked pleco, you're like, that's a big, ugly fish. For sure, absolutely. But right? if you harvested all the meat, no yeah. one would know, or the and flesh. Nobody and nobody would know. Do, do we want to get into where those came from? I think so. I think it'll so, lead so into the video. One, one of the things that... And you guys will see this on the on the future video, but we bought those from people that were collecting them for the market, floating down the and Amazon, floating down the middle. Three day of the trip down as the we're Amazon. Going, no, yeah, as we're going up, they're going down. We stopped, turned around. It, it was a, so it's a it's a it's a rectangular raft that has a. You know, roughly 1,500 gallon capacity netted pen. Basically. Think of it like a, a giant, giant breeder box yeah, that right. holds humans and, and, and fish. And they, they do the same thing in the Pacific Ocean with tuna. Uh, yes. So they'll put tuna in pens and, salmon. and move them around. They do it with salmon and they were doing it with plecos. Right. And we see that, you know, we're up on the third deck of the MF Esperanza. That's right. And we're just hanging out, we're bird watching, we're waiting to get to our next stop, just enjoying the adventure. And we look over, we see this. It's like, what is that? What is that raft doing? Right. And they say, oh, those are the plecos going to market. And what was so funny is to them, it was just so normal. But for me, I'm going to take, take all the credit for this one. I'm like, light bulb. If we're looking for something to share with people, like how, like even if we didn't share it, I want to see. Like I want to get close. I wanted to see it. Yeah. So we yeah. so we jumped in the little go fast boat, the uh, Makai, I think we called it. I think that's so. Yeah, the Makai. So we jumped in the Makai, which is. Uh, tied up to the to the main vessel, so we're, we're in the go fast boat. We pull up to this thing, and you know the uh, the guys that were manning it were you know they're having a siesta. They're just floating down the Amazon. Literally, and, uh, all were asleep. That's the thing. Is like yeah, they're just floating down this giant river, yep. and they're hoping days go by because it takes days. And there's there's no internet. There's no power. There's literally like. There's no bathroom. There's a river. You hang off the side of the raft and right. go to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. So the uh, so the gringos roll up. And uh, yeah, and the, you know we and again Devin, you know Devin and the crew Segundo, uh, communicating with the guys like, hey, you know where these guys are interested. They're they're fish collectors. You know they want to see what you have, and we want to buy some some plecos from you. So we got some great footage of that. Um, and for them, like that's the business came to them, you know, three days in advance of when they'd be able to actually bring it to market. Exactly. Um, and so that's just that's just super easy sell for them. And the crew, the crew was super excited because they got fresh pleco mm -hmm. because they wanted right. it just as much as we did. Right. Um, so that was yeah. a that was a win win all around, and that was that was pretty cool seeing. It, it was fun. That was yeah. really fun. Well, they said ten thousand. Yeah. 10, In the cage. Ten thousand pterygoplichthes, you know, foot long plecos. Yeah alive floating in this barge down the river so right. you know 100 water changes all day long yeah um that was that was a cool experience and they they cool. said it took three days or a week to collect them right yeah it was a, a week, week to a collect week to ten thousand of them days to get them to the market yeah and then they would go from the market go back up the river and do it all over again did we get any underwater footage of that no because it was so brown yeah. it was yeah. so yeah. so tan and so well not even tan just muddy yeah. muddy it's water not, not so much we're not just saying that of the pin but the entire river the entire yeah. river system is yeah. just it's yeah. just unfortunately too murky you can't now. see more than six inches in front of you like you put your hand in the water it disappears yeah which i know because part of my swimming adventures <laughs> was jumping into the water again after a collecting point jumping into the water clean off 
I said, hey, this will be a cool shot to have my head strapped mounted GoPro, I'll jump in the water. And I had enough common sense to actually hold it onto my head as I jumped in. But as I jumped in, I realized that my hand was covering the GoPro. It's like, oh crap. <laughs> and so I let go of it as I'm surfacing. And as I break the surface, I think I did a, uh, I think I did a Bo Derek move with my head, you know, just kind of <laughs> splashing my head around. And I'm pretty sure at that point, that's when the, uh, the GoPro strap came off my head. Of course, sank straight to the bottom because there was no flotation right, on it. Right. And I think it was at least 10 or 12 feet of water. And on the first breath down, um, after feeling, it, I think I felt probably a couple sticks. Um, I grabbed something I thought it was it, but it was leaves. And then I searched a little bit more with like the last breath that I have. And by no means have I been practicing my deep water breath holding techniques. Uh, I, I, fe I felt the strap. And so I saved, back. I saved yeah. my freaking Go, GoPro Hero Black 7, like brand new. The worst part so. is the water's so brown, none of that footage will even be cool. Like, yeah. imagine you, you swimming up on it. Yeah, like you imagine you, yeah, it would have been amazing to like see that, but it's <sighs> but yeah, so I had, dark. I had, I had quite the celebration though, finding that camera. My wife would have killed me. She'd be like, <laughs> you're not getting another one. Yep. Right. Be and you would have lost all the footage too which is the worst part that's, that's my biggest fear always yeah. Yeah. people are always like oh yeah if they steal it and they're worried about the money and I'm like you don't get it it's yeah. way more than the money like you can rebuy cameras you can't rebuy all the filming the experience right. yeah, yeah. you can't so here's a, here's a question for the audience for Apple product do they make airdrop external hard drives yeah, we were if all wondering know about of that. One, if you know of one, leave it in the comments because that on this trip would have been real nice to have that secondary backup. Oh, I got some great footage on the iPhone, great mm -hmm. pictures, airdrop that to the external hard drive, double redundancy, Right. let's go film some more stuff. Right. Without taking a ton of power too, we need that. Without taking a ton of power. Yeah. Airdrop is super fast though. Yeah. Airdrop can't is be. crazy fast. That's yeah. why you need to just get a Mac. Can't do it. Let go, man. Can't do it. Join the join the dark side. Mm -mm. Join the proper side. And and for GoPro, make a battery that lasts longer than a half hour. Oh yeah. Mine were lasting just fine at ninety minutes. <laughs> I wasn't getting ninety minutes. Maybe well, I think I got sixty minutes. I think sixty minutes was the most, and with about ten percent left. But to your point, though. Maybe that last 10%, it's like a, uh, a car gas tank equivalent where that last quarter tank seems to you know, last an extra 300 miles. Yeah. Right. Somehow those, right. those things just aren't calibrated or the, uh, or the dealerships do that on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So being an Amazon first-timer. Oh, yes, Dean. I'm in the hot seat. I like this. What was your highlight of the trip? Sharing it with you guys. It was actually tying it all back to working at Amazon.com. Yeah. I was wondering if he was going to do that. <laughs> so when Jeff and I used to have our one-on-ones, it was, no. Um, one, of the, one of the highlights, like the first thing that comes to mind was collecting angelfish in the, uh, in, and I think what was my favorite collecting spot, uh, this, how did you describe it? It was basically a um, flood lake, floodwater lake. I feel like a rice paddy lake or so. That's what kept reminding me of, just like this two to three foot deep water that just went on forever. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. it actually was, it was pretty expansive, but um, after we had, so I, I started in the creek with the Killy guys and I realized I didn't want to be in there because I was getting nothing but uh, the galaxy wood cats, right. which are pretty cool looking. Um, Killy fish, Apistos, 
which pistos are awesome, but after you're at the 17th spot and you keep getting the pistos, mm -hmm. you want to get something new. Right. Um, and so you guys were in the main body of water, the lake. Actually, Dean was on the show. You didn't even go to water. I was filming, yeah. Uh, you were filming. Corey, you were in the water. And, you know, you kept picking up sticks and you're getting giant autos, you're plecos. getting incestuous, yeah. you're getting yeah. plecos. And I hadn't done that yet. Like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. So I joined you. We went around hunting for submerged logs. So you didn't want to find anything that was completely, you know, smushed to the ground. You wanted something where the where part of it was submerged, but with um, some some distance between the log and the actual bottom. So the the plecos right. and autos would be underneath, but not in the mud. So we went around. We hunted for those. And after probably about twenty minutes of that, which was super fun, because you pick up a log and put your net underneath it super fast. And you'd have autos falling down and sisters falling You'd only down catch like head. one out of a hundred, but you'd still yeah. get six in the neck. So there was yeah, a yeah. bunch on the logs. Yeah, so, right. so I've got some giant autos coming home with me. Um, but then we started seeing like these these fish like jumping, like jumping at the surface. Right yeah. around you. Yeah, yeah, and you get a right close look you. and you're like, those are angelfish. Yep. Those are shiny, black striped, blue iridescent, beautiful angelfish. And so just, you know, ow, I'm, you know, screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. And taking the dip net when one jumps up and then all of a sudden just trying to you know go as fast as you can running in the water and chasing after this jumping angelfish and for some reason they don't submerge they stay at the surface and they just kind of jump and hop along so just being like a it's like spongebob when he's chasing butterflies or, or jellyfish mm -hmm. in the cartoons i mean right. just having such a good time taking two or three whiffs at this fish and then finally it happens that you kill you get an angelfish that was jumping that you just spent 30 seconds running around chasing, you know, waving your net like a madman, and you've got this gorgeous fish in your net, and then there's more. And then it's game on. And so spending the next, I don't know, 15 minutes chasing angelfish, I think I got, I think I got five, five or six on my, myself yeah, from doing that. Yeah. And I mean, that was so much fun. And I think one of them was this you know, World Series style diving in the outfield for that fly ball to win the game and, you know, barely keeping the net above water and having the angelfish in it after that dive. Yeah. That was so awesome. So I think yeah. that one, um, that was a really, really awesome memory. Uh, yeah. or a really, really awesome experience. That was a cool lake, too. Um, yeah. the, I mean, the, the local people were using, um, I think, gill nets. Mm -hmm to catch, but they weren't having very much success. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you guys were more, a little closer into the shore, but it was pretty shallow all the way across from, from what Jenny yeah. had said. And in completely different target species, like they weren't going for angels no, no, or no, pistols no. or killies. Uh, they were going for probably Oscars. I mean, if they got yeah. an Oscar in their net, they'd probably be pretty happy. Yeah. Anything big enough to eat, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, they what they're farming for. Larger fish, probably larger catfish and stuff. Yeah, we did get an Oscar from there, I think. Was it T-Pain? I, yeah, I think that's his working name right yeah. now. Is, is T-Pain. He's about, what, four inches? Yeah, he's a little he's guy. A, he's a smaller guy. Yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely an awesome experience. Um, but just, you know, a, a big part of this trip for me is to be able to, to come down and finally, you know, finally experience what it is to collect in the wild. Because, you know, if I, if I were to categorize my passions in the hobby, which... Um, you know, my favorite term that this hobby is multifaceted is, you know, breeding the fish room, breeding, um, not so much biotope, but just understanding fish in the wild, their habitat, um, and then, of course, wanting to go and collect. So I would say, like, those are kind of my passion areas in the hobby. 
And so being able to finally say that, you know, I've gone out, um, I've collected in the wild in, you know, Florida. Florida's pretty wild. I've collected there. Mm -hmm. But to actually go out of country and go to where these right. fish originate from, go to where the neon tetra is, go to where the discus is and the angelfish. I mean, this has been so amazing, and I and I hope you know for the audience like that just lends this extra layer of credibility that oh yeah, you know, Randy kind of you know, he's full of crap half the time, but you know, another half he, he went down there and he's done some stuff and he's seen some things. So yeah, yeah, that was on the largest river system in the world. Largest river? <coughs> Is it the largest river system in the world? I think I read. I think it would have to be system system wise. It would have to be. It is. It's the largest river system in the world. Maybe the Congo probably rivals it. Congo's pretty I think big. the Congo is the longest. But um, what did I hear? I think it's like, is it like 30% of all of the fresh water in the world flows down the Amazon? So on that point... I'm not, sure, not, I'm not positive on that. Seeing the different uh, water level lines oh, yeah. and having Devin tell us, oh, four days ago, the river was six feet higher. Mm -hmm. You know, and and this is going to be incredibly difficult to kind of convey over an audio format. Um, but you know, six feet of water drop on a body of water that spans I don't know, like a, two to six miles. Yeah, I asked at one spot. It was like, oh, this channel right here is a mile wide. It, it, it's crazy. And then the high water mark. It's like know, forty when, feet or something. Some of these tighter areas, some of these tighter kind of S curve yep. rivers. Uh, rivers you know, the high water mark was an extra, what, 40 feet above about where the boat was I mean, if you're at home right now, look out at a tree and then look three quarters up that tree and then go, that's where the water line is. Yep. And that's just spread across, you know, this, this floodplain delta. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, there's islands that become underwater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. underwater. yeah. And I, I knew coming down here that it wasn't about what fish I could bring back. I knew if I had the opportunity to bring back discus, I was going to be super, super happy. Worst case scenario, I would just come and steal some of your your babies from your from your discus. But you know, the, if, if I could bring back those, that would have been amazing. That would have been icing on the cake. But to come down here and experience the collecting aspect, seeing them in the wild, but then also just the environment, and you know, that's something that you didn't really expect. And I also didn't expect to you know want to actually look for vermilions. And, yeah, you know, we had orchids, right? There was orchids down here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think we, I think we came across yes. some orchids. A few um, yeah. orchids and uh, parakeets, parrots, macaws. You know, all the different birds that are down here, and they come across. You guys weren't there. You you haven't shown up yet, but you know, coming across a, a frog while we're right. walking to the uh, um, the discus uh, the discus quote unquote farm. How about a baby marmoset? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good point. How about the trip mascot or baby marmoset? Um, yeah. All right. So who who wants to who wants to share about the baby marmoset so people don't think we just pillaged? A so baby at the at, at the place where we were catching Santana, yeah, my fish out of the clear spring, we were amassing a crowd because it was a little bit larger of a village, I guess. Because I asked Devin, he said that's one of the larger ones. Yeah. And. You know, there was a bunch of kids, but then there was some adults just making sure, like, what are they doing? Because all our kids are down there. That's, like, there's a, a group, and there's probably 20 to 30 people kind of milling around, and then we spot these kids that, you know, essentially what I say is, that's a baby monkey, yep. you know? Like, right. they basically right. had a monkey on a string, and... She had uh, her head. Yeah, it was on her head, and then, so, of course, we start with, like, someone ask if we can take a picture with that monkey, you know? Right. And we did, and we took pictures, and 
And then I think was it Devin's idea to, to no, kind of. We, we just started talking about. I think like, Michael was more concerned that the survival rate of those is pretty low. Babies is yeah. fairly low. Okay. And so he kind of conveyed that to Devin, which I think Devin already had some gears turning in his head. Yep. Um, yeah, and so it was. Let's see if we can't, you know, rescue this baby marmoset yeah. from this situation. Yeah, I think they traded, like. Uh, paper and pens for it or something you yeah, know because they're coloring, coloring yeah coloring like a coloring yeah. book and and then we were able to bring that marmoset which was a saddleback marmoset onto the boat knowing so we had prior knowledge knowing that in a couple of days from now of, of uh, recording this podcast we're going to basically the monkey island sanctuary where they rescue a bunch of abandoned you know, monkeys or or mistreated or yeah, exactly. Lost, whatever, yeah. And so, and so, part of the crew on the boat, uh, their cousin actually runs it. So it was like kind of already pre-okayed. It wasn't just like one of these like we're just gonna bring a bunch of stuff with us. We're uninformed people, and you guys yeah. do this right. It was kind of already like nope, this is totally gonna work. It's already in you know called ahead. And so yeah, we've had this baby little monkey just hanging out with us all week. That is cute and hilarious and everyone's had their selfie time and right. all kinds of stuff yeah and you know we we definitely <laughs> let the monkey warm up to us Devin just you know being down here for 26 years knew how to handle the situation and how to care for this thing so it it was very you know it, it didn't take long for it to feel comfortable around Devin and then after mm-hmm. after about a day or so it started warming up to, to the rest of us yeah. um, you know making sure that we were feeding it giving it water you know plenty of fruits that are their omnivores um, giving it vegetables bugs it, it, but yeah yeah uh, bugs it got down on some peanuts it got down on a little bit of fish uh, a little bit of fish a little bit of egg from breakfast uh, and it was yeah it was incredibly cute adorable yeah. little little thing i don't think there was anybody there that didn't at one point have it on their shoulder for yeah a while. yeah yeah right now it's in a hotel room because it's still a couple of days before we take it to the reserve so yeah, it's sleeping it's yeah. sleeping in a t-shirt yeah what's so funny is after its nap it would or before its nap as it got tired it would start getting cranky yeah just then, like a kid and then Devin knew he's like oh it's, somebody's getting cranky it's time for a nap and so he uh, make a little marsupial pouch with his t-shirt. He'd tuck his t-shirt in and the the, the marmoset would sleep inside of his shirt yep. in that fold or sometimes it would go in his cargo pant pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he would ask, hey guys, make sure I remember that there's a monkey in my pocket, you know, so he doesn't want to squish it or jump in the water and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, that was cool. And we didn't actually, the kids when they had it, kept it on a string or rope yeah. leash and when that leash came off and it was pretty much free yeah um, and it, but it stayed right with us well and we, we would actually try Devin would actually try to get it to play on the rebar chair which is right you know, we're gonna have to do a whole podcast just on the rebar rocking chair my yeah. favorite my favorite thing yeah nice. you guys don't even know about that that's <laughs> that's next level uh, leisure, nice. leisure equipment uh, so we, he would actually encourage it to go and explore, but you know he was home base for it. He was home base mom and dad for yeah. uh, for that yeah. marmoset. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, guys. Well, I think we're we're all three of us are pretty exhausted. Got to be we, up in like six, up six hours to do the next thing we got to film. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to go to a, uh, a local market at six, and then after that we have to go and create our fish list for export and import. 
Yep. And then we're going to go back to the market and potentially go to the area of the market where fishermen come in that are both fishing for fish, food fish, as well as tropical fish for mine and yours and yours out there. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. We want to try to film all the process. One, we might be able to buy some fish, but two, like, see what it actually, is it just a bucket of all mixed fish? Or do they know? Do they sort it on the, you know, right. like on the, the boat right at the dock? Like, or do they know? Or is it like, who's buying this for food fish? No one? All right, to the aquarium wholesaler <laughs> it goes. You know, like, right. who knows how yeah. it goes down. Exactly, yeah. So we'll find out. To um, get something there. And take it through the whole process of getting it. That's a good idea too. Yeah, it just to buy some, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, just to see, just so people would see the process. This is it getting bought, bagged, shipped. Yeah, because most received. you know most wouldn't collect it like us. It'd be when when a home hobbyist is buying, really they're buying maybe from the step I buy from, and that is someone going, hey, I'm willing to buy wild caught discus. They bring it into the United States. Then I buy from them, typically. Right. Then someone buys from me. And we get to look at the level even behind the wholesaler at this point right. of, right. you know. And I'm real curious to see, is it like, there's, oh, there's thousands of discs to pick from where it's like, oh, there was 40,000 fish, but only four discus there. Yeah. Like, oh, they are rare. Or, yeah. oh, they're all over the place. Who knew? Yeah, yeah and I, I, I often have said this, that, you know, the amount of fish that we collect in the Amazon, I'm just talking about this river because that's the only place I've ever collected in the wild, is like a drop in a thunderstorm. There are so many millions of fish. Well, what I, what I said today when we went back to Santa Ana pointing out in, in some video footage was that we're not even showing you the fry. Yeah. Thousands and thousands right. of fry that we're completely ignoring. Right. That if you take out some adults that were preying on them, yep. they're just going to come in and fill the void. Right. And nobody's going out there collecting fry. No. Nobody's going out there collecting these small juvenile fish. Mm -hmm. You know, they're typically collecting the older juvenile fish or the adult fish. And so that's that's yes. something where you know, for me, like in these collecting spots, knowing that there's ten times the amount of fry that there are adults. Today, yes. from what I've seen, right. it, it, it's like there's no concern. And the fact that a lot of this are, are dry pools as well, that if these fish don't get out of there and go farther downstream in the main body, they're going to dry up. Yeah. And we actually saw some of that. Yeah, we did. We yeah. saw some Especially of those Especially those last couple spots. Yeah. yeah. Where you've got a 10-gallon hole in the ground that's, that's the streams in and out are completely dried up, and it's just this hole in the ground now, and there's... You know, 250 fish in there. Right, of all different varieties. Of all different varieties, yep. Just trying to survive yep. until they dry up. And the birds are going to come. Yep. The other animals are going to come, and the sun's going to get them. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, I really hope that with the different formats that this trip is bringing them, so obviously the Main Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel with uh, footage and the, the fantastic editing, and hopefully this this different format of the podcast, it, it's really gonna help to, to give people a well-rounded experience of what of what a collecting trip in Peru is, or what, you know, the tropical fish hobby means to this area, and just what, you know, kind of uh, a little bit of the culture and whatnot for people that may never come down here, right? Mm -hmm. right. Right. And then also just for, for, for myself and for us to, to be reminded or to learn it for the first time. So hopefully it makes us all more well-rounded as humans and as Aquarists. So.
So exactly. Indeed. Yeah, I wish I had a good sign off. I can sign off right there. Sign off, okay. Sign so off. this is Dean, <laughs> Corey, and Randy signing off from Akitos. Good night. <laughs>